the lights on green. Who needs a sermon after that? Thanks, Mandy, and thanks, thanks, thanks for the whole team. That that those last two songs they were so appropriate, so appropriate. That's why I say, who needs a sermon? Because there was a sermon just in that music, and uh, I reckon you've got a fantastic team here that do an excellent job. I want to. Uh, just share with you for a few moments about the new year and how we can uh, live for the new year. And um, I, th- I was trying to think of a, an appropriate Bible reading. This Bible's falling apart, it's all right. Um, I want to uh, just read with you that uh, well, very well-known chapter in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13. It's uh, often referred to as the love chapter which it really is what it is. And now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but not have, have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It, does not, it is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. But then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Beautiful chapter. I was trying to think back this morning when was the last time I preached a sermon. It's quite a while ago. And I think it was the last time was actually about two and a half years ago here. So it's quite some time. In the last three and a half years, all I've been doing is driving buses. But that's good fun. And it's good to be back up the front here to be able to minister to you the Word of God. I've, in a sense, some people have asked me, have I missed it? In some sense, yes, I have. But I've also not missed the responsibilities. It's an awesome responsibility to bring you the Word of God. So before we do that, let's just pray. Father, I thank you for this church, and I thank you for those that are here in front of me. And I thank you, Father, for every person here this morning who will hear the message, the message that comes from you. 
And Father, I pray that the words that I speak may be your words and that it may minister to the hearts of those who listen. And Father, that in it all, we may be built up in our faith, encouraged to go on in this world, proclaiming the name of Jesus, because that's what we want to do. And we pray it in his name. Amen. What a difference one evening makes. One evening. You know, tonight that, that sun is going to go down and it's shining out there beautifully at the moment. Tomorrow it'll come up again and we will be in 2018. A new year. There'll be new possibilities. There are going to be new hopes, new ideas, and of course, each of us have some new dreams. Now, I want to ask you, who here is into making New Year's resolutions? Come on, just raise your hand. Who's here into making New Year's resolutions? A few of you. Why not? Why, why aren't the others into making New Year's resolutions? You break them, exactly. You don't keep them. Yeah, when, when, we try, when we're making resolutions, if we do this, we're trying to create new dreams, new ideas, and of course, new hopes. New hopes for the future. You know, with the, the morning of the 1st of January comes not just a new year, but for many, it is the hope of a new me. A new me. The trouble is that we might be coming into a new, new year, but it's nearly always the same old me, isn't it? There are really good things about all the hope that is around a new year and the things that we want to do, but there's also those things that are not so good. New year is an opportunity to do some thinking, to think back, if you like, to do a bit of an inventory on your life, what has happened in the past. I read a story not long ago about a, an office supervisor who asked his staff to make a New Year's resolution. And he was going to put these resolutions up on a notice board, a pin board. And the idea, of course, with that is to give some accountability of the resolution that you might make. Well, there was one lady in the, of the staff who, whose resolution had forgotten to be put up. It wasn't there. And she got decidedly upset about that at the staff supervisor. So he went back to his desk and he hunted high and low and he found that piece of paper that she had put the resolution on. And you know what was, what was written on it? 
Her resolution was that she wouldn't get upset about little things. Aha, you got it. Maybe she shouldn't have bothered. Have you ever been upset about little things? I have. I have done it on many occasions. Now, Chuck Swindoll, the author, wonderful Christian author, once said this. He said, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts, than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think or say or do, than appearances, than giftedness or skills. You know, attitude can can make or break a business. It can make or break a church. It can make and break a home. The remarkable thing is that we have a choice every day regarding the attitude that we will embrace for the day. You know, we, we can't change the past. That's happened. Been gone. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing that we can do is play on the one thing that we have, and that is our attitude. Swindoll said this as well, he said, he was convinced that life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you react to it. I think there's some truth in that. 10% of what happens to you, 90% of how you react to that. Yeah, we, we are in charge of the attitude of our lives. And I think it's a lesson that I need to embrace, and I think it's a lesson that we all need to embrace and to learn. It's not what happens to us that is important, it's how we respond to what happens to us. It's not like what life brings, but what we bring to life that matters. Some people are just happy with where they are. And there are others who have a dream. Some complain about what is wrong. And others will put in an effort to make things right. Some have faith in God and others have faith in absolutely nothing. There are people around who live in a lot of cynicism. They live in a lot of despair. And yet there are others around who live in much worse circumstances and yet live in faith and in hope. You know, it it really takes a lot of courage to be real to open yourself up if you like. And I love it, what, it, what it will be like when the kingdom of heaven arrives in all its fullness. And this is where that love chapter comes in. Paul says in verse 12, now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror, but then we shall see face to face 
Are you looking forward to that day? Yeah, there's this beautiful word, it's called Maranatha. And it simply means, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. And Paul says, now I know in part, but then I shall fully know fully, even as I am fully known. I love that. So what we see is that God's kingdom in that time will be fully known. It will be fully known by God and by others and we shall be fully loved by God. And that's the model for what it means to live in a Christian community, to be the church, if you like. In the last church where I ministered and... um, that's already going back well over six years. It's uh, time flies when you're having fun. But for me, at that time, it was a great blessing to see new people come into the uh, church that we were involved in. And they would often say how real the people were, how real they were, how honest they were with their struggles and their failures their doubts and their fears. You know, the people within the church didn't pretend they had it all together. That's why we come together to encourage each other, to strengthen each other, to build each other up in our faith, to learn from each other and to let others know that they are not alone. Such an important thing within the church that those who would come in will see that you are real, that you are human, that you have to deal with issues. And I hope and pray that for you, as we go into 2018, that will be a reality as a church. You know, one of the key attitudes that uh, we can have is to be of good cheer. To be of good cheer. You, You can't be of good cheer if you are constantly thinking about all the terrible things that are happening in our world. How bad the world is. Yeah, we need to enjoy the present, the today. How can we ever convince the world that we have a good news if all we talk about is bad news? And we don't just have the good news, we have the best news ever. The best news ever. And the world out there desperately needs to hear it. They need to hear that Jesus has come. You know, if you are angry at the world, you cannot be at peace in the world. If you are afraid of the world, you cannot minister to the world. You have to love the world as God loves the world. It was Jesus who said this. He said, I have told you these things so that in you, you may have peace. 
In this world you will have trouble. But then he goes on and he says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Do you believe that whether good or evil is uh, winning? Because if you believe that evil is winning, then you are basically saying that the devil is more powerful than God. But I want to declare to you this morning, the last day of 2017, that Jesus has overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. It's not that he will overcome the world when he returns. No, that's just going to be the evidence of what has been true all along. Jesus brought the kingdom of God into the world and has been advancing ever since. Praise God. Jesus said in in Matthew 11, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. You You cannot stop the kingdom of God advancing any more than you can stop the moon from rising or the sun from rising or the summer or the winter or any other thing. You cannot stop it. As Christians, we are full of anticipation and excitement as to what God is doing and how he is working in this world. There was a commentator who said this, he said, expectation makes life good for in expectation we can accept our whole present and find joy not only in its joy but also in its sorrow. Happiness not not only in its happiness, but also in its pain. Thus hope goes on its way through the midst of happiness and pain, because in the promises of God it can see a future also for the transient, the dying and the dead. That is why it can be said that living without hope is like no longer living. Hell is hopelessness. And it is not for nothing that at the entrance to Dante's hell there stands the words, Abandon hope, all ye who enter here. Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, are a people of faith and of hope. For us, sorrow is only a temporary emotion because joy is to be the norm. Joy is to be the norm. The reason is that we know that life overcomes death because love is stronger than hate. Light overcomes darkness. You only have to be outside at night on a very dark night and the torch, you turn a torch on, it'll penetrate the darkness. And Jesus is that light. Jesus came to give us joy. And to have joy live within us. The Bible says a cheerful heart is good medicine. A simple little proverb. A cheerful heart is good medicine. In fact, a positive attitude and cheerful spirit is better than any medication that you might take. You know, there's another attitude that we can have as we go about our daily living, and that is 
to always be fully aware of God and who he is and what he is doing in and through us. When we were driving through the USA back in 2007, boy, that's, I don't know where time has gone, but it's already over 10 years ago, there was a sign, a very big, large sign on the side of the road, it says, Jesus is coming. And I thought to myself, well, I have better news than that. And the better news is that he's already here. He's already here. Because Jesus has not abandoned the world. He may not be living here in the way he did of the New Testament, but he is certainly, most certainly, he is here. He's not gone away. He's established his kingdom. He has defeated sin. He has defeated hell and death. Praise God. And he lives in the world that he has created through the empowering of his Holy Spirit. You know, when someone is aware of that love, that same love that the Father had for Jesus, that person is just spontaneously grateful. Cries of thankfulness become the dominant factor within our lives. It's the byproduct of gratitude. And out of gratitude comes joy. We're not joyful and then become grateful. We are grateful and that makes us joyful. And when you're a grateful person, you possess joy, even when you may possess very little else. What if you lived every moment as though God was all around you? What if you lived in the coming year as though nothing could happen to you that God cannot take care of? What if you lived as though you already had one foot in heaven and in fact that heaven was all around you? Now what if the very sight of a tree or a cloud inspired you to worship? This past week we, um, we went for a drive down to Beach, beach Forest, isn't it Fred? Yeah, Beach Forest. And we went to go and see these um, large Californian redwoods and walk through it. Boy, God is a creator. It's the first time I've ever been there. It's beautiful. And we spent quite a bit of time there just looking at admiring and taking photos. And of those of you who are friends with us on Facebook, you will have seen them. God is awesome, absolutely awesome, a great creator. And in the same way, a new awareness of who God is and attitude can literally change your life. Pardon my little foster grandson. 
he, see, he sees me and he wants me all the time. The month of uh, January it gets a, um, it comes from uh, the, 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 sorry, I'll start again. That name, January, actually comes from uh, Roman god Janus, J-A-N-U-S. And he's depicted as a two-faced man. One face looks toward the past and another the, to, toward the future. And as we think about the new year, we can look at uh, in three different directions, if you like. We can look at the past. We can look uh, today at today. We face today. And we can face tomorrow. Now, the Israelites, they were a nation that were no strangers at looking back. Uh, when we go to Israel, we often hear these things about what's happened in the past. And the Israelites are constantly challenged to remember the heritage that God had in dealing with them. And Moses, he once encouraged them with these words in Deuteronomy 4. He said, be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your hearts as long as you live. That's an interesting comment, isn't it? Don't forget of what God has done for you in the past. So, in a sense, it's important to face yesterday. It's important to think about the year that is closing, the last day is today. And we need to face it honestly. Don't look at it with rose-coloured glasses or look at shadows everywhere so that you see all the painful things. Yeah, maybe this past year is one that you really don't want to remember much of. But on the other hand, it might, it might have been so good, might have been such a great year, you're now worried that it just simply can't continue. Whatever the past year has held, just spend a little bit of time remembering and reflecting. A um, family member of ours, my, my niece and her husband, they have five children and five grandchildren, I think. And um, they, at their Christmas function, family Christmas function, always reflect on the things of the past, whether they be good or bad, or what has God done for you in the past. And I think that's sometimes a good practice. Sometimes it's not so easy to organise, but if you're sitting around a table, it can be done. You see, as much as we might want 2018 to be a completely new start, it doesn't start within a vacuum because it really, it follows what has been. It might be a new date, but it is continuing. Time continues. 
You know, think about the past year. What can we be thankful for? What is there to be pleased about? What was hard? What did we learn? What habits do we want to get out of? What habits are good ones to keep going? That's the whole part of the idea of resolutions, I suppose, in a way. One wise saint said uh, hundreds of years ago, he said, if we don't learn lessons from what we have seen and heard, then it's like looking in a mirror and then forgetting what you saw. Or maybe some of us want to forget what we see, but we're all getting a day older. But the past is important. The past is important because we can learn from it. In fact, if we don't, we'll probably find things repeating themselves. But after saying all that, the past isn't where we want to live now. We reflect, we review the past in order to resolve to continue on. God doesn't always intend for us to live in the past. Looking back at his goodness is intended to root us firmly in the rich soil of faith. And that rich soil provides the environment in which we can grow into him, into new things. And Paul knew all about this. He said this, he said, in Philippians chapter 3, it's one of my, my favorite verses actually, it says, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Amen? Now one day we're going to be with Jesus. So we're going to look to that, look to the future. Every time we go to the land of Israel, we've been five times now, and we've a little plug for another one is uh, we're doing another one in 2019. So if you're interested, see Nell or myself. But we go up on the Mount of Olives and we think, wouldn't it be beautiful if the shofar blew right now? And Jesus came back. So what are you aiming for? What are you aiming for? What direction are you facing in? In facing the new year, we are facing new possibilities. We are facing new opportunities. We are facing new hopes. Think... Just think about maybe where, where you would like to be at this time next year. I don't want to make time go too fast, but just think about it. Think about it. What habits, what in your character and attitude do you want to fix up or develop? Are there those that you just want to shake off? 
Or are there th those attitudes and characteristics in your life that you want to develop further? You know, the, not many of you put your hand up about New Year's resolutions. But there's an old saying, and I think it's true, that says if you aim at nothing, you're bound to hit it. So sometimes I think it's good to make some resolutions, to think about the future. But how do you get them? How do you get there? In, in the long-term perspective, how do you get there? If your aim is to be healthier, how do you do it? How do you do it? Well, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. It'll probably take you a whole year to get through it, but one bite at a time. There's another little saying, I love it. Inch by inch, everything is a cinch. It's a good Aussie saying, isn't it? If you want to get fitter, don't aim to run a marathon next week. What can you realistically do? If you want to develop relationships, then why not resolve to spend time to get to know people and maybe even invite them to church? If you want to grow in your relationship with God, make a promise to spend extra time praying and reading your Bible. Some of you here may resolve to read through the Bible in the coming year. I did that, the last time I did that was seven years ago. And I think it's time to do it again. Accountability, dear. Gotcha, she says. I, I've got a, a colleague who uh, I work with who drives the bus and every now and again I get into his bus uh, because he's, he drives a 75-seater, I drive a 57-seater. And uh, every time I get in there, his little Bible is laying there. He's a wonderful Christian man, and he reads his Bible, and I think it's time to put a Bible in my bus. And that way I can read it, because there are times when I'm sitting around for three or four hours, waiting for my group to do whatever they're doing, to come back. I got time galore. So I need to write, read my Bible again. Yeah, I want to encourage you for this new year in 2018. You, you can face what has been, but face tomorrow and all that you want it to be for this new year. Face today to work out how you'll get there. Then face those around you and God above with gratitude for a new life in the new year. Now don't just seize the day, seize the year. And do it with faith, that knowing full well that God goes before you and with you always. Do it with the hope that one day, with the hope that one day,
you will be with Jesus in glory. Do it with all the love in your hearts and do it out of gratitude for the love that God has shown to you through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, as we reflect upon this past year, we can say thank you, Lord, for the wonderful things that you've done in and through each one of us. We can say thank you, Lord. You have blessed us so richly. We can say thank you, Lord, that even though in times of difficulty, you have been there with us, that you have guided each one of us. So as we face this new year, Father, in 2018, we pray that you will go with us and before us. Prepare the way. But above all, Father, that we may live in the love of Jesus, knowing that one day we will be fully known. And so we say thank you, Lord, for the past year. And we say thank you, Lord, for what is coming. Bless us, use us, fill us with your glory each day. And we ask you that in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. It's all yours, Mandy.